This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. Now we have been in Isaiah chapter 58. We've been looking at the issue of the true fast. And we recognize that, of course, it is proper in a fast that you don't eat because that's kind of what you don't do is eat. But really, the true fast, not eating is a waste of time unless you refrain him from every form of hindrance, wickedness uh, before the Lord. It's a waste of time. But when we put that away, this is amazing. The things that God has to say about that, what God has before us, it's wonderful. And so I'm going to read from verse 8. We looked at that last week, but it it gives us the link uh, and it helps us in the introduction to the way forward. So we've put away those things. Well, of course, you've got to think about this. How do I do that? See, this was directed to a particular group of people. This was directed to Israel, of course, as we know. Uh, And it was directed to the oppressors. Uh, They needed to get down with sackcloth and ashes and repent. But you know, most of us are not oppressors. But we have our stuff that stands in the way of the true fast. Uh, So we have to own that. Now, how does that come about? Well, it came about here, and here's a good model for us to look at. It's when God addresses it. See, that's how it works. The world's way is, well, look inward and see this and see that. Well, actually, if you do that, you'll justify yourself, all the things that you've done, not done. The way is to invite God to address the depths of your heart. That's the way. And through the prophet Isaiah, that's what God was doing to Israel. He was giving them the opportunity to put things away. We must do the same. We listen to the voice of God and we invite the voice of God to do his work. In the Psalms, search my heart. See if there is any wickedness in me so that I might go the way of everlasting. You see, the answer is not in the psychology of, oh, well, I've done this and I should have done that, I shouldn't have done this. The answer is absolutely when we bow before the Lord and we say, Lord, search me. That's the biblical principle. The word of God is like a two-edged sword, divides between the soul and the spirit. And, and he searches out those things that are a hindrance to the good things that God desires to do for us. That's the way forward. And here we have it. Then your light will appear like the dawn, and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. That's wonderful. We come and we bow before him. We ask him to search our hearts. And as he shows us those things that are deep within there, hidden, and we say, Lord, thank you. And we own it, and we repent. And in faith, we receive that restoration to our souls. And then God stands, and he's behind us. In other words, 
as we walk through this life serving the Lord, we don't have to be nervously looking over our shoulders all the time. He's with us. He'll guard us. That is the way to live the Christian life. But then the prophet goes on and he says, is at that time when you call, the Lord will answer. That's good, isn't it? When you cry out, he will say, here I am, if you get rid of the yoke from those around you, the finger pointing and malicious speaking, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one. This is a different component because we've moved on. God has addressed at these, these wicked people, the oppressors, but God addresses us and shows us the hidden things of our heart, if we will. But then he moves on, and this is what he's saying. He's saying, you take responsibility for yourself. There might be others who don't. Some of these oppressors, some of these wicked ones, may still be there. What he's saying is this, get rid of the yoke from them. It's the yoke of oppression of what evil does. Not your own stuff anymore, but from the evil around. Don't let it touch you. Don't let anybody press you down because of their own godly agenda. Don't let it happen. Stand firm in the freedom that Christ has. This is a strengthening verse for those who have walked the way of righteousness. And we work that out in the sharing of the goodness of God that he has shown to us in our dealings with those around us who are willing to receive. That's what happens. This is about our souls. This is about our inner being. It's about who we are. It's about God's purpose for our life. It's about God's enabling of that purpose to work its way through. Then, you see, you have to walk it out. It's not just an idea. Then, your light will shine in the darkness. And your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land, and strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden, and like a spring whose waters never run dry. These are wonderful, wonderful words. And, and what I want to invite you to do is this. Let this become your testimony. In life, we all go through some kind of difficulty, whatever it is. Lots of different things. Sometimes we go through what seems to be a desert, a wilderness, a parched land. And I can remember it's 50 years ago, God very particularly spoke to me through somebody else about these couple of verses, that one that I've just read and one that I'm going to read to you. It has been my life's testimony. It has directed my path. It has directed the choices that I make in life. It has enabled me to stand in the face of difficulty. That's what God wants for all his people. Make this your testimony. But you have to do what God has told you to do first. 
then everything changes and here it is and this is this is how we need to understand how God works in our lives and how he is with us and how he is taking us forward in our lives sometimes you'll be in a parched land whether it's circumstantial or whether it's other things that are around you that impact you or maybe you even feel alone but in that place what does he say? Your bones will be strengthened. In other words, the inner being of who you are. We need to find the strength that is within, that God gives us. We do not look to the outside to verify whether God with us. We look to the inside that God by his spirit has come and cleansed and strengthened. And we know from a place of absolute confidence in God that God is for us. You'll be like a water garden. See, there he, there he is, he's saying, yeah, you might be in a parched land, but you'll be like. See, God uses that, it's called simile. He uses that often in scripture. You'll be like. So everything around you, all your circumstances pressing in, it's difficult, it's hard. But Daddy, is that the reality? That's a superficial outward reality. The reality is found deep within. If you have done what God has required of you, if you have come to that place of the true fast, uh, because in the fast you are seeking the Lord, of course you are. You don't give up seeking the Lord. You are seeking him. And in the true fast, the external does not determine who you are and whether God is with you. It's his internal work of cleansing and of restoration that determines the truth of that matter. And that's one of the big reasons why, why we should say, let's call a fast. It's good to come together, but sometimes it is absolutely right for the individual to go and do that and nobody else knows. It's the quiet place. It's the deep place where business with God is done. And it is absolutely life-changing. And whatever the external says, the internal workings and rest of God say, you've got a spring and those waters will never fail. The external will fail you. God's inner workings never fail. And then from that, he moves on. Because there is an outworking that is wider than who you are and your place of rest and peace in God. That's a wonderful thing. You must have it. But there is an outworking that is wider. And this is what he says. Some of you, this is not the totality of the workings of God with his people. It's, it's a specific area of work uh, that comes to the whole. And you look at the church and you see the church as a whole, but then you see how God works with some. And this is what he's addressing here. Now, the some doesn't have to be a few. The some can be many, but it's some. It's, it's those who are responding to a particular call. Now, in the life of the church, God gives many different callings and gifts. Of course he does. But there is a call today, especially in the church, which is very very significant and is much needed and this is it 
Some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will restore the foundations laid long ago. It is that call to the return of the absolute uncompromised truth of the word of God to be the church that Jesus desires it to be. Nothing else. Not all the stuff that's been added on. Not all the stuff that's been taken away. None of that. Stripped out. You will restore the foundations laid long ago. That is a really wonderful calling. And I, I want to invite more people because I know some people are embracing that. I, I, it's one of my great delights. I see people who are embracing that. But I invite more and more to be part of that God-given process uh, to return to his foundations alone, everything else stripped away. You will be called the repairer of broken walls. I, I've always found it fascinating when, and we don't have a lot around here, but you know the dry stone walls, we have a lot in the UK. It's really fascinating. It, it's a kind of ancient skill. Uh, and I'm glad to say that some of these ancient skills, it's really a, a great craft. I, I, they're coming back a bit. People are seeing the need for them. And I think that's encouraging in the wider world. And sometimes as Christians, you can look to the wider world and you can say, oh, it's, it's evil, it's chaos, and, it's, and, and all of that. But you can learn lessons of what's happening there and say, wow, these, these people, they're repairers of broken walls. No, what's our call? We're called to be repairers of broken walls. I'm not even talking about church unity now because that's a different problem. That's an entirely different issue. We are called to be repairers of broken walls. Many people, all of us at one point were broken walls. Many people, they live their lives full of rubble and the walls are falling down. And it's kind of sad to see. You walk out there in the countryside, because in certain areas of the UK, um, especially in farming areas, I, the whole landscape has got these stone walls. And, and then you're walking along and you say, oh, there's a broken wall. And the sheep are getting out, or the cattle are getting out, uh, and nobody's doing anything. And you see the ruin beginning to take place. But then... You walk along uh, and you see see this guy and there he is. He, he looks for a stone and he finds the right one and he places it and there it stays. And what a lesson in life. You see, are we the people of God? That's what we need to be doing. Now, of course, the broken wall thing uh, is a limited metaphor because it isn't alive. Uh, and... There's never a broken wall that's resistant to being repaired. Well, actually, there should be a lesson in that. People should not be resistant to being repaired. But they are. Nothing you can do about that. But God calls us by his wonderful grace. He calls us to be repairers of broken walls so that his people again built on that solid foundation can grow strong unassailable, confident in the grace of God and doing what they were meant to do. 
Because I was there for a purpose, isn't it? Doing what they meant to do. And then even beyond all of that, because a wall's a fine thing if it's just there to keep cattle or sheep in. But here we go. A much bigger picture. The restorer of streets where people live. It is the community of God's people living in their security, living a full life in all of their reactions to each other, in their relationships, in all their different ways of service, busyness, going about their task and having their place of rest and doing that well and building it. And there it is. It's recognized. This is God's doing. It's God's building. This is what God is calling his people to be like. But you only get there if you have heard his voice. This is not some method. This is not some, well, let's read this manual and we'll do this and we'll do that. This is about having your life changed, your heart changed. It's about in your desire to determine what is the will of God for my life? What is the will of God for, for here now at this time? What is the will of God for this? And it's a good question, of course, but there's no point to the question unless you're doing the true fast. There is absolutely no point in saying, I, I'm, going to, I, I'm going to on a fast for a full day. Oh, no, I'll, let's, let's make it two or three. I'm going to go on this fast, and God's going to tell me. No, he's not. But if you go and your desire is in that place of reliance upon God, not reliance on the things that give us sustenance in this, uh, in this body and in this life, reliance on God and God alone. When you go to that place and say, Lord, I am here. And in the true fast, you say, Lord, show me. And I'll listen and I'll do. And I'll get down before you. And I'll put away all those things that are a hindrance. I'll do it, Lord, by your strength. Strengthen me. And then from the inner being of who we are, God smiles upon us. And, and if it's a parched land, it's a parched land. If it's a land of plenty, it's a land of plenty. But the same principles apply everywhere and in every case. The rest of our souls, we are satisfied in God, whatever the outside says. And then God, he comes. And then he begins to equip us. And we can do the task that is laid before us. Let's prepare some broken walls. Let's build a city full of God's people who have embraced the true fast. It's a whole restoration job. It's kind of vogue these days, restoration, isn't it? So these people are really skillful. You know, you see these, these old paintings. They've been around for hundreds of years. And there's somebody just meticulously scraping some of the stuff off, then applying fresh. But the fresh has got to match what the original intended. It's clever stuff. But you know the church is more important than that. And it is clever stuff, but it's God's doing. It's not our doing, because we can't do it. But God can and if we have come the way of the true fast, he will give us everything that we need in order that his purposes are accomplished. He, he wants you to have that spring of life in every situation, whether it's difficult or whether it's easy. 
the spring of life that is constant to all of God's people who have followed the true fast and they are busy at work for a kingdom watching as God gives them grace to build that wonderful temple which is the hearts of God's people. Amen. Thank you for joining us. True Foundations is headed by David J. Jones, a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. His passion is to help individual Christians discover their true identity in Christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives. Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info at truefoundations.ca. Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.